Thank you, worship team. That was awesome. That was a good start to the day. And now you'll just have to bear with it, right? Um, I want to start today first. Um, something just God's laid on my heart. Scripture that I was reading this week, and it seemed appropriate. I think I shared it with a few people. It's from Psalms 130. And uh, it goes along with what we're talking about today. So, you know, God knew what he was doing when he spoke this into existence, I guess. Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, keep your record of sins, Lord, who could stand but with your but with you, there is forgiveness. But with you, there is forgiveness. So that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. There's our word, right? I, I wait for the Lord. More than the watchman waits for the morning. More than the watchman waits for the morning. I don't know why I put that in there twice. It must have been important, huh? Israel, put your hope in the Lord. And I don't do this often, but right there, put your name. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. This is the word of the Lord today, and we could probably just go home after that, but we're not going to. <sighs> Series of quick questions for you before we start off. You can answer if you want, but they're really rhetorical. What is your favorite thing to wait for? See, see what I did there? I know what it is. Waiting in line at Walmart. Amen. Yep. I got it. No, it's waiting, it's waiting for a train to cross. Yeah. Or waiting for the bill to come in the mail. Bills to come in the mail, especially in January after the Christmas season, right? And I know most of you don't get bills in the mail anymore. They come in your email. And you can just claim that they didn't come. They went right to the, your junk mail, right? What is your opinion of waiting? Hands up. I need 100% participation. How many of you love to wait? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. Okay. All right. Hand, okay. Hands down. How many of you dislike waiting with a deep passion? Okay. Better reaction there. That's what I thought. Obviously, um, you know, but how are you at waiting? What's your personality like? When you wait, right? Obviously, it depends on what you're waiting for. If you're waiting on a root canal, you're like, all right, I can wait. <laughs> but if you're waiting for him or her to ask you out, well, it's hard to wait, right? You remember those days? Yeah. In our culture, in our society, uh, we're not good at waiting, are we? Uh, especially not here in the United States. I don't get out of 
the country very often, ever. So I don't, I can't speak for other places, but I know that in this society, in our world, we're not good at waiting, okay? The systems we have in place now, they're, uh, they're there to eliminate wait times, right? Amazon, all right? Order today, get it tomorrow. Bingo, all right? For a small fee, okay? Walmart pickup line, amen, right? You know, you, you, shop, you order it, they shop for it, and you don't have to stand in line. That's a good thing. And uh, GPS maps, no matter what format you use, they, there's a way for them to navigate you around traffic and detours and construction to get you to the spot you want to go as fast as possible. So we're built to get there quicker and get our stuff faster. And, uh, but if we don't, what are we like? If we have to wait, what, what are you like? Uh, we order food at a restaurant, for example. And, uh, you know, as soon as you order, you look at your watch, you say two or three things, and then you're waiting. And you're tapping your foot. Right? Because we order, and we expect it uh, just to come out, you know, like that. You know? Uh, but we also want it the way we want it. We want it with no onions, amen, and no mushrooms, and we don't want this on there, and we want this on the side, and I want the, uh, this piece, and I want a medium this, and I want, but it has to come out like this, right? Oh, by the way, there's only one server in the whole place for the entire restaurant. Don't worry about that. So we're not very good, right? Or you're at a stoplight. Oh, stoplights. You, if you've been around um, this church very long, uh, lately, you know, I don't like stoplights, uh, especially that one down there. Um, but any stoplight. When, um, okay, here's a quick aside. When nobody else is coming, uh, how many times is it appropriate to look this way, then this way? Like how many times, and then, it's, and then you can just go? I'm asking for a friend. I mean, I would never do that as a concerned citizen and the pastor of your church, but how many times is it appropriate? Um, okay, zero. I'll have to live with that. I mean, I'm asking for a friend. Um, <clears throat> we want what we want, but more specifically, we, we don't want to wait for what we want. So the third Sunday of Advent, right, the season that we're in is all about waiting Kids, all right, they're waiting for Christmas break. Then get some time off of school, and they're waiting for Christmas Day so they can tear into a few presents that are under the tree, which is awesome. Adults, you're waiting, okay? They're waiting for some time off too. A little vacation time maybe, scheduled around your kids being off. Maybe you're waiting for a kiddo to come back from college, uh, some get-togethers. Maybe you're waiting to tear into some presents that are under the tree too because the kids get it from someone. Right, um, but Advent is an eager time of waiting. We're waiting for the arrival of Jesus' birth to celebrate. Uh, waiting for the beginning of Jesus coming into place. That's the definition of Advent. This time of arrival for the hope of all mankind. And this Christmas. And um, for the last few weeks, we've uh, been sharing about some characteristics of hope. And we've said hope is a few things. And uh, they've, they've all started out with hope is 
faith in action, right? Uh, hope and faith go hand in hand. Very rarely do you see hope and not have faith follow right after and vice versa. We saw it in that passage that we read in, um, in Psalms today. Uh, hope is always looking to the future, right? Because we don't ever hope for something that's already happened, right? Um, hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. We'll talk a lot more about that next week. And, and last week, we talked about how hope is built on faith in Christ. And today, we get to look at something a little different, and uh, you already picked up on it, that hope is wrapped up in waiting. Hope is wrapped in waiting. What's the longest you've ever had to wait for something that you really, really hoped for? Can you think of something that you had to wait for a long time? Was it a couple days? A couple weeks, maybe? A year? Was it ever 99 years? Probably not. Um, this guy named Abram uh, and his wife Sarai, they were getting up there in years. And we won't say how old because we don't do that. We want to be nice to everyone. But God had some big plans for them, even at a later age in life. And we're going to be in the book of Genesis today. Um, even though we're talking about the Christmas story, it starts way back then. So if you uh, have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Genesis chapter 12, um, and that's where we'll be. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And up until this point in Genesis chapter 12, there's really been not a lot that's happened. That's not entirely true, right? The world was created, pretty big deal. Um, in the beginning, God created this, this incredible universe that we're in. And then we had mankind, and then they fail. Uh, sin enters the world. Adam and Eve get kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They are fruitful, and they multiply, and all these people become wicked because sin is sin, and it separates us from God, and we're selfish. And does that sound familiar to anybody? It's pretty much the way we live now. And it got so bad, so bad that, I mean, God hits the reset button except for eight people and all the animals on this boat floating around, and it rains for a long, long time, and Noah and his family survive, and they repopulate the earth. And that's just in 11 chapters. Not a bad uh, time, time capsule, right? And we get to this time where God has some big plans for Abram and Sarai, and here they are. In, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will bless you, uh, I will be blessed through you. First three verses of chapter 12, we get promises. Well, we don't. Abraham, Abram gets promises, right? And it's somewhat of a pivot point in Scripture, even though we're in the very first book of the Bible. First, we're only 12 chapters in. And God's beginning to establish a calling on Abram's life. Now, that, what, what came of that calling, it was up to Abram, wasn't it? 
He needed to be faithful. God said, get up and go. But he needed to be obedient. And God puts the plan into action and tells Abraham to go, but it all comes down to three words in verse 4. In Genesis 12, verse 4, it reads, So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he went out, set out from Haran. How old was he? Yeah. So Abram went. Three words. And the rest was history. God said, get up and go. So Abram went. And, and notice he was 75 years old, and Abram waited a long time before God put him into action, before he unfolded Abram's purpose in life. Now, in those days, they lived for a long time, right? And so he had been waiting for a long time for something else, too. And uh, if we back up just a few verses into chapter 11, we get a little of a backstory into Abram's life. We see um, where he came from. Um, chapter 11 really is just this, uh, half of it is just this lineage of how we get from Noah's son, Shem. He has three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Shem is, uh, uh, Abram comes from the line of Shem. And we're not going to read all the, you know, he was... Uh, Shem had this guy, and they lived for this long. And, but just know that he comes from the line of Shem. If you want to read it, look in chapter 11 of, the, of Genesis. But Abram, we find out in chapter 11, marries this uh, girl named Sarai. And in verse 30, we find out she's childless in their marriage. And they're waiting, but she's unable to conceive. And they're waiting for a child. And they're hoping for a child. And they've spent years waiting for a child. And then God makes a promise. God makes a promise to Abram, and in the first, in those three verses, he, he makes three promises, really, but he delivers on his promise. Now, Abram takes his family in, in to this place. So, so Abram went. He gets up and he goes. And he was going uh, to this place that God was going to show him. So this whole time, Abram is doing what God's telling him to do all along in their hearts. Him and Sarai, him and his wife, were still wanting what they want. They hoped for a child this whole time. And they, they continued to hope. God continued to work. They continued to hope, and God continued to work. And now they have this promise from God. It's almost like a big billboard in their face, like, I'm going to make you a great nation Right, implying his name, Abram's name, his bloodline would live on for generations. How? I don't have any kids. Right? Before, they were just waiting for a child. And, at, and after a certain age, that, that waiting and hoping kind of withers away. But now they're waiting for God to do what he said he would do, make him a great nation. That was significant. And uh, sometimes when, uh, when you're waiting for God to do what God said he was going to do in your life, what do you do? You try, and, you try everything you can, right? You're like, well, God said he's going to do this in my life. But I'll help him out. I'll, I'll help him out. I'll do everything possible in my control to do 
what I can do. And so um, when, when you're waiting, you do everything you can. It's like at Walmart, you walk back and forth, looking at every line, look for the green light. And like, first of all, there's only like two of them open. And then, then you're back and forth. I'll just do self-checkout. But then you get to see some really nice people, right? And, and it's awesome. But you're like, I should have just gotten in line. I would have been done by now. But you can, you can uh, instead, of, but, but you have the best intentions to help God out. And, and that's not our job, right? Abram and Sarai, they get impatient. And they, they get tired of waiting. And they're, they're losing hope in this promise uh, to, that God's going to make them a great nation because time is marching on. And they're doing what God told them to do. They got up and left. They left their home. They left their people. And God is blessing them for that. They're taking care of them. And so Abram and Hagar, um, which is Sarai's servant, end up having a baby together. And they take the measures into their own hand. And it causes a world of problems, right? And I'm sure this you can assume why. Um, when, when that kind of situation happens, it always causes problems. But God's very clear in a message to Hagar in chapter 17 uh, or 16 of, of Genesis that uh, God tells Hagar, listen, your son, he's going to be a mess for life. And the people that come from your son, they're going to be a mess. They're going to be a mess forever in people's lives. But God takes his time with Abram, and he delivers. Abram's 99 years old. And the hope of having a child with him and Sarai is all but gone. But in Genesis chapter 17, God gets going. It's finally time, right? God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which is, just rolls off the tongue a little easier. Changes Sarai's name to Sarah, which is just easier for everyone to say. Abraham and Sarah. And he tells Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son. And the waiting was over, kind of, right? And, and he's like, a great nation. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And, and so Abraham has, Abraham has one kid, one kid. That's not a great nation, God. But it has to start with somebody, right? It has to start with one. And so Abraham continues to live a life of waiting on God. Step by step, waiting on God to show him where to go, waiting on God to show him what to say, waiting on God to continue to unfold his plan step by step. But the promised land and making his name great, those promises that God made, Abraham was still waiting on that. Even the great nation part, still waiting. And he would have to wait. Abraham would have to wait. But the promise, it came. It came. Now, Abraham's people, they eventually get to God's promised land. Abraham's family did become a great nation, right? Because it started with one, with Isaac. And it turned into to, uh, Esau and Jacob, twins. That's another good start when you're going to have, uh, you're going to be pregnant once, but you get two babies. So that works out, a two-for-one deal. And then uh, Jacob, he ends up having 12 sons. And, um, and then we talked about this a little while ago. Joseph, one of those sons, ends up in Egypt. Jacob moves his whole family of 70 down to Egypt. And 700 years later, after God spoke to Abraham, 
2 million Israelites leave Egypt for the promised land. I'd call 2 million people a great nation, right? So Abraham's name became great as well, just one of those other promises, right? All through Scripture, his faithfulness is noted, to God is noted everywhere, that he, he's seen as the father of faith, he, and, and he's the father of the Israelite nation. And eventually, there's this unwed, pregnant couple from Bethlehem um, in Abraham's bloodline that goes to Bethlehem to register for a census that uh, Caesar declared that had to happen. 42 generations later. So Abraham didn't get to see the completion of God's promise on this side of heaven. But like we read in Hebrews chapter 11 a couple of weeks ago, God had something better in mind. But that something better just took 1,500 years to arrive, which is a long wait for everybody, even for God, right? How long... But that's how long it took for hope to make it to earth, because a lot of stuff had to happen, right? So how long, uh, how can we see, uh, we can see now how hope is wrapped up in waiting. And uh, we need to look at, you know, what does that mean for us? What does it have to do with you and me? Because that's why you came today. It's not to get a history lesson about Abraham and Sarah. But we're never going to have to wait 1,500 years for anything, right? Waiting 15 minutes is long enough. Or and hard enough, right? Just like a kid at Christmas, though, waiting, um, waiting is something that we just we don't like, but it's something that we have to go through. And hope is wrapped in waiting, because hope is a future event. Just like we hope, we don't ever hope for something that's already happened, right? We don't ever wait for something that's already happened. Abraham had to learn to wait on God. Prior to Jesus being born, um, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had a similar story to Abraham and Sarah who were struggling to to have a baby. They had to wait, and and it happened. The angel of the Lord pops in um, on Zechariah doing his pastoral duties in the Holy of Holies and said, you're going to have a baby. And Zechariah's like, how am I going to know? And like, he's like, well, I'm an angel coming to tell you something. That's how you're going to know. I just told you. That's how you're going to know. By the way, you're not going to be able to talk now until he's born because you questioned that. So, um, but John the Baptist comes along, and he's the one who's going to prepare the way for Jesus uh, and his ministry and the Messiah coming to earth. So we all have to learn to wait. I, as your pastor, have, I need to learn to wait on the Lord. You need to learn to wait on the Lord. And if you've not heard this yet today, we do not like waiting for anything. Hurry, instant, right now, that stuff, that's, that's from the devil in a lot of ways. This instant gratification, these things that we got to have immediately. Now, in some circumstances, in Scripture, we see uh, the word immediately. Immediately, something uh, happened and they were healed. Immediately. This, but most of the time, it's, it's a think on it, wait on it, ponder on it. The best 
uh, things that have happened in Scripture is something that we've waited on, right? Here's what I mean. When, when you're praying for something, you choose. Do you put a time stamp on that prayer, on that prayer request? Or do you just put the petition in God's hand and say, here you go. Here you go, God. Because you might not actually pray and say, God, please answer my prayer in three days. That might not be something that you say to him. But in your heart, in our minds, we put a time frame on things. Like, well, we think, I think God should be able to answer that within a day or two. That's pretty easy. He could do it now. I know, but I'll give him, I mean, there's 8 billion people in the world, and if, we're, if he's got a lot of prayer requests, even if he just like, does a priority list, it might take him a day or two to get them all answered. So I'll give him a day or two. Abraham and, and Sarah, they did the same thing, right? And now we have this entire culture of people that have been a thorn in the side of every other culture ever since, right? Those are not my words. Those are God's words. Our hope is wrapped in waiting. As we're waiting, our faith is being stretched. And as we're waiting, we're slowly coming to the understanding that I am not in control. And as we are waiting, we realize that surrender of ourselves is something that God is waiting for from us. This is true in my life. Okay, you think about when we moved to Emporia, I had hopes as your pastor, dreams of our church, what it could be in a year or two, you know. Um, I, I was new to being a lead pastor, right? Little did I know. Literally, little did I know. Um, and these so-called plans that I had for ministry, they all got changed, they all got rearranged for lots of reasons, right? A, a pandemic had a lot to do with it, but there was lots of reasons. And I've had to learn to wait on God's plan to unfold and to listen, slow to speak, right, and quick to listen. And, uh, you know, in other areas of my life, when I pray for different things, you know, I've had such a hard time waiting for God to get to it. Like, come on, let's go. And in reality, he's probably just waiting on me to, you know, let go of things that I think I can control, which that's not much. And, and it goes like this in my heart. I, I've probably had this conversation a million times in my life. God says, uh, hey, Paul, that's mine. You got to let go. And I'm like, you sure, God? I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, and God says, yeah, I'm pretty sure. You just got to let go. You want to shorten the amount of waiting time, right? Maybe a spiritual fast pass, if you will. Get to the front of the line. Surrender your ways for his ways. Surrender control of your life to him. Because when you're not in control... When you surrender, waiting is irrelevant. It doesn't matter what timeline you're on when you're not in control. Remember what hope is. It's the feeling of what is wanted 
can be had. It's something that we look forward to, right? Everything in that definition just screams, wait, wait, right? Kids at Christmas, they got to wait. Abraham, Sarah, they had to wait for the beginning of God's promise. They had to wait 75 years just to get called. And then they had to wait another 24 years for the beginning of the promise to start. And then they didn't even get to see the end, right? In our lives, our hope in Christ is wrapped in waiting for God's plan, God's timing, God's direction in our lives. Listen, waiting is hard. It is. I'm right there with you. (laughs) It's it's why we've tried to arrange our lives uh, to not wait for things. Things like apps to check in at restaurants and um, paying for express shipping on packages. Using the DVR so we don't have to watch um, any of the commercials, right? But like one of our sermon comments, I I put out uh, sermon prep uh, questions every week pretty much every week on uh, um, Facebook. And one of our good friends, Beverly, she, uh, she commented, and her and her son Truman have had this discussion about how we wait, and her comment was golden. And I told her I'd use it, and she said that was fine. <laughs> but uh, she said that, that uh, God is not as very godmother, it is granting wishes, Right? The growth that we get, that we obtain when we wait, it prepares us, it prepares our heart for the blessing that's coming in the thing that we asked for, but also for the future things, for future clarity in how we ask for the next thing, for the priority in that, we, that we place on the things that we ask for, and in how we wait. And when we pray... When we come to God with something that we're burdened with, when we express our needs to God, we're not just rubbing a genie lamp with a wish and, and expecting it to be granted right in front of us, right? We're not going to the prayer request vending machine and pushing C9 and expecting an answer to drop along with a bonus bag of Chex Mix. And we just dig in that bin and carry it on and go on our way. That's not the way it works. It's hard to wait for God's plan. It's hard to see God's plan. I mean, it was easy for Abraham. God said, get up and go. And, but the hard part was he didn't know where. He said, I'm going to show you. But he said, get up and go. It's hard to understand why God takes longer to answer some prayers than he does for others. But sometimes, sometimes the answer is wait. Sometimes that's the answer. It's not yes or you get that or Sometimes the answer is just wait. Just hold on. And when the answer is wait, our hope in Christ should become even deeper. Because just like Abraham had to wait, even his past life on earth, to, to, past his life on earth, to see God's promise unfold, just like all those in the hall of faith that we uh, talked about in Hebrews chapter 11 for the past two weeks, God has something better for us. So hope is wrapped in waiting on God. So when we get impatient, here's our, a couple of questions to go with you today. 
When we get impatient waiting on God, do you take matters into your own hands? Because it's easy to do. You're like, well, I'm just going to help God along a little bit. Right? I, I know kind of what he wants me to do. I'm going to just kind of push things along. Or do you know how to wait? And how does that tend to pan out for you? If you take measures into your own hand, does it work out? Probably not so much. And then the last one is, are you willing to surrender your part? Right? In order for God's plan to unfold, are you willing to surrender your part? Because that might be what he's waiting for, right? And when the answer is wait, are you okay with that? Because that's a hard answer sometimes. Um, today, I think that uh, it's important that we all understand that this is different for all of us, right? Because some of us are asking about, should I go for that promotion? Some of us are asking some really deep questions about our spiritual life right now. Some of us are asking questions that nobody but you and God know about. But we have to understand that waiting in, in the Lord is what's important. So we're going to wait, and we're going to be quiet. We're going to take our 38 seconds, which I know for y'all is super uncomfortable to sit in silence for 38 seconds. But it's what we're going to do. And we're going to just wait on the Lord. And then we're going to pray. And then we're going to go. But I encourage you in that time of waiting to listen hard. Don't, e don't even pray. Just listen to what God has to say to you. Okay, Let's all bow our heads. And find a posture that uh, God can speak to you best in right here. And uh, let's wait right now. Father God, we know that when we wait on the Lord, the benefits of renewing our hearts are so great. Your scripture says that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That it's a, it's a way to refresh our hearts and our minds in our time that maybe we're in a dark place. Maybe we're struggling. Maybe... Maybe we just need some clarity on what's going on in our lives. Maybe we just need to take a step back from who we are and what we're doing to see your plan unfolding in front of us. Whatever the case is, Father, we just know that 
in, in our lives, we have a lot to offer to you today, a lot to get off of our hearts. And I just pray that as we take this time to, to reflect on what it means to wait on you, that, that you will push, our, push ourselves, push us to, um, to let go, to surrender ourselves to you, to, to let go of our part, that maybe that's the reason that, you know, we're in the way, uh, and that's what you're waiting on, to, to unfold your plan in our lives. But we know that our hope in you is, is wrapped up in waiting. And uh, Father, we look forward to the great things that you have in our lives, just like you did for Abraham and Sarah. And we know that the promises that you make will always come to pass. And we know that even though we don't see it, you're working in our lives. We know that no matter what's going on, um, whether we've caused all kinds of turmoil in our own lives, you're still working inside of us, in our hearts, in our spirit, and that you can still do great things through us and in us, even when, we don't, when we're, we're making a mess out of our lives. You can still work in our hearts. And Father, we just know that um, you're in control. And, and we're so thankful, Father, for your goodness, like we talked about and we sang about earlier today. As we go out uh, over the next couple weeks, just two more weeks until Christmas time, as we celebrate your birth and we have family get-togethers and um, we give the opportunity to um, spread the joy of Christmas to others. And there's, there's still lots going on that might cause stress and and Father, just go before us, and we ask that we will be a great example to those that we come across, that we won't be like the world, that we won't be like those that, uh, that might talk about other people and talk down about them when they're, they're not around, but Father, we lift them up, because that's what you would do, that's what we should do, that we would extend grace to them, and we should show love, and we would serve every one of them. Father, we're just thankful for all that you do in our lives. We're thankful that you work all the time in us and through us. And as we go today, we just pray you'll bless our lives, bless our families, and all those that we come into contact with as we do our best to impact our community for you. And as we go and take your name with us, we just ask and, and we, so, we so thank you. And we'll just be very careful at the end of every day to give you the glory because we know it is you that we do this for. And it's you that works through us and in us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Have a great day. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to swing by this afternoon. And we will see you next time. God bless you.